Greetings, Dr. Beckett. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Theorizing that one could time travel within his own lifetime, Dr. Sam Beckett stepped into the Quantum Leap Accelerator and vanished. He awoke to find himself trapped in the past, facing mirror images that were not his own and driven by an unknown force to change history for the better. His only guide on this journey is Al, an observer from his own time, who appears in the form of a hologram that only Sam can see and hear. And so Dr. Beckett finds himself leaping from life to life, striving to put right what once went wrong, and hoping each time that his next leap will be the leap home. You are listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. This is episode 90, Revenge of the Evil Leaper. in the box and you don't know where you are. Sam. If you're yelling for a three-letter savior, I suggest you make it start with a G. I have to get out of here. Well, that's simple. All you have to do is tell me which one of you two did it. First you act like you don't know where you are, then you pretend you don't know why. We don't! Oh, you don't? Well, you better figure it out or you're going back in that box. Now, ladies, which one of you murdered Carol Benning? Oh, boy. We had leaped together and survived. But we still didn't know if Aaliyah had leaped with me or I had leaped with her. Being in a women's prison didn't make finding the answer to that any easier. How long does it take Zoe to do a location search? Uh, I don't know. It differs. Sometimes it's just a couple of hours, but once or twice, I, I haven't had contact for an okay. entire day. We just gotta find some way to hide you. That's all. From myself, Zoe's locked into my brainwaves. She leaves okay, look, and there's Al. two women Al's in the waiting room. Yes, he's here. That's great. Okay. Yeah. Look, then we'll change your brainwaves. Okay. No. Hip, hip, hypnosis. Hypnosis? No, try hypnosis. You can't hypnotize me. You gotta let me try it, okay? I think it's the only way to hide you. Your name is Angel Jensen. You only know what Angel Jensen knows. I hope she can protect herself because at best she's only got a little bit of Angel's memory. Well, let's hope it's enough. Well, you haven't answered my question. I feel good. Hey, 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 hey. They can't even hear me. <laughs> oh, I am going to love this. Mm. Now, you are Clifton Myers, age 55. Really? Mm-hmm. Principal warden at the Mallard Women's Correctional Facility in Mallard, Ohio. September well, 16th, 1987. Hey, which pinpoints our last trace before we lost contact with the fair Aaliyah. 
Lotho says there's a 79.9% chance that when she leaves here, so did the good Dr. Beckett, which means find Sam, find Aaliyah. I want Aaliyah. And I don't want anything to happen to her before I get a chance to rip her head off. We were just getting a lock on her brainwaves, and then all of a sudden she just vanished. Sam, you don't have much time. Okay. Their computer is going to lock on Aaliyah. Now what can I do? Lothos is picking up a, a transmission on Aaliyah. Where? Right there. Oh, Sophie, open that door. The last transmission was in here. No. Move it, Liz. Out of my way! Ziggy says she's someone named Zoe. She was Aaliyah's hologram, but now she's another leaper. It must have been the other leaper that Ziggy was picking up. She's going to be your worst nightmare. Welcome to the Quantum Leap Podcast, everyone. I'm Christopher DeFilippis. I'm Alison Pregler. And I'm Matt Dale. And cue the hypnosis montage, because it's time to talk about Revenge of the Evil Leaper. I feel like I'm going back to Blood Moon. Yes. (laughs) We got to do the voice. (laughs) I didn't think it was going to be possible to have any more fun than we did with Blood Moon, but I feel like this one's going to be a lot of fun. (laughs) I I bet a lot of people listen to Blood Moon, because there was that mix-up with iTunes and that Star Wars podcast. Yes, I was going to bring that up uh, later during the feedback, but we might as well bring it up right now. I got to think that by the time this thing airs, this will have happened several weeks ago, maybe four weeks previous to you guys listening to this. But somehow iTunes screwed something up and our feed got crossed and our logo got placed in the spot for this show. What was it called, Allison? Star Wars? It was Star Wars Theory. And they're in what, the top 100 or top 200 iTunes? Top 200. Yeah. So this is how I cottoned to this. Big deal. I was looking at our blueberry downloads and overnight it went up by tens of thousands of downloads. Like seriously. (laughs) Like what? like oh they did blood moon finally that's what i thought i was like blood moon is really freaking popular (laughs) why not everyone was on top of that vampire episode they're like oh man we had the twilight fans listening in (laughs) the angel fans that's the one quantum leap podcast you want to listen to it's blood moon for sure so i was just scratching my head i'm glad it was when we were on top of our game for that one because otherwise if you were gonna have to listen to an episode randomly of a show you don't know anything about i mean the blood moon episode was pretty fun (laughs) i would be happy with the blood moon or the diaper monkey episode for anybody just stumbling upon us so (laughs) (laughs) so if it had to happen i'm glad it happened with blood moon but i just want to say if any of you out there listening now are listening as a result of that snafu reach out to us uh you'll hear how to contact the podcast later on in the podcast um let us know if uh, you are a new fan due to the iTunes screw up, or is it Apple Podcasts? Whichever one it is. Thanks, Apple Podcasts, for Yay. updating. I think they updated their directory or something, and there were a couple of bugs, and we were just like the beneficiaries of one of those bugs. It was like getting the Monopoly card saying, collect $200, you know, bank error in your favor. <laughs> iTunes error in your favor, collect 30,000 new listeners. Do we know if this went both directions? Did QLP listeners tune in and start getting a really detailed breakdown of scene 37 of Return of the Jedi? 
I mean, if they haven't, you and I can do that right now, Matt, if you'd like. Well, yeah. I think there were there might have been vampires in uh, Star Wars at some point in one of the novels. I feel like yeah. there was a planet of vampires or something. That's about all I know about it. I, know, I have friends who are big into the EU, but I never dived in. Well, there certainly is a Star Trek novel about vampires. It was called Bloodlust by J.M. Dillard. And I'll go on a tangent here. When I was, I think, 16, I was working at a printing press and I was sweeping up. I was just, you know, like the the uh, the janitor kid. And we always had like Christmas parties. I worked there for like two two years throughout high school or middle school, high school. And... The woman who got me as like the secret Santa gave me Bloodlust by J.M. Dillard. And I opened that book and mm. I was so excited and so thrilled that yeah. somebody got me. They were just like, I, I, I was. So I remember that book to this day. It's got a blue cover and it's about vampires on the Enterprise. Nice. Oh my God. On the Enterprise? That's Star yeah. Trek. No, I said Star Trek. Not yeah, Star this Wars. Was Star Trek, not Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Oh my God, the Star Wars theory. All the Star Wars theory people are leaving in droves because yeah. you messed it up. <laughs> They're like, they don't even know anything about Star Wars. Is there a difference between Star Wars and Star Trek? They're both set in space. I don't know. <laughs> if you die, you're never gonna get to see Star Wars. <laughs> um. So yeah. Again, if you're a new listener, thanks to that snafu. Thanks for sticking around. We're glad you're enjoying it. And just let us know. <sighs> wacky times. Wacky times. I wonder if that was the evil leaper stepping in. Yeah. yeah. If you are new to Quantum Leap, Revenge of the Evil Leaper is not the first one to jump in on because you're probably going to be a little confused. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to say. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. I think that they're, if they're new listeners and they're listening in order from Blood Moon, they're going to be like, this is the wackiest show I've ever heard of. They'll go back and listen to, like, I don't know, Jimmy and be like, what is this? <laughs> and it's only going to get wackier. This is it now. It's one wacky run. Anyway, um, shall we get back to Revenge of the Evil Leaper? Let's, let's talk oh, about revenge. Oh, so why are prison guards always such total dicks? Nobody told you to talk. I told you to sit. You got no needs. You got no wants. You got no rights. <laughs> they just jumped into a women in prison movie is what... I, I will say this. The leap feels... Uh, well, it is very secondary yes. to the uh, the evil leaper storyline in this. This is very much full on into the, the sci-fi time traveling element of this show uh, versus the... The more uh, normal, grounded stories uh, that uh, early Quantum Leap thrived on. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I'm screwing up the order here. I know I usually throw out a first impression. So, Allison, is that your first impression? Do you have uh, any more first impressions of uh, Revenge of the Evil Leaper? Yeah, you got to be in the mood for the Evil Leaper stuff to be watching this. This is like full on the most into that element of the show. So, my, my first impressions are uh, it's a lot. It's chock full of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> stuff is there. How about you, Matt? Initial impressions for Revenge. Yeah, I, I love the uh, Return Revenge two-parter. I have some issues with this one, but minor ones. You have got to be in the mood for this, but I am always in the mood for this. I am always in the mood for this episode and its predecessor. It's all good. Well, we know its predecessor is your favorite Quantum Leap episode. Yes. So yes, yes, yes. does this rank up in your top Quantum Leap episode since it's of a whole? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. I, I think this, it's um for me it works as a as a ninety minute special. Overall, it's the the best quantum. Or, mm-hmm. It's it's the quantum leap episode that I keep returning to. You return to the evil leapers. I, I return. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but I I just I prefer return slightly to revenge, but I still find revenge one of my my top favorites. That's cool. It's funny because when I sat down to watch this this morning, I was getting ready to roll my eyes a lot and say, what has happened to Quantum Leap? But mm-hmm. I really enjoyed the hell out of this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was so right, much fun. So uh, pleasantly surprised because I'll just be the broken record I always am. I don't think I've seen this since like 1993 when it first aired. Oh. Maybe once, maybe once or twice in syndication over the last 30 years. But again, season five is not one I've returned to in any way. So when we're watching these episodes rounding out the end of the series until you get to Mirror Image, which I think I've seen 87 million mm-hmm. times, mm-hmm. all the other ones that lead up to it are, are almost like a new experience for me. And um, I was so pleasantly surprised with how much I genuinely enjoyed Revenge of the Evil Leaper. Not to say that it didn't have its problems, Allison. You pointed out, uh, I think, the main one. But that's some stuff we can get into. And I usually put down a run uh, rundown with talking points. And I got to the second one, and I just I couldn't figure out how to proceed. So it's just what you said, Allison. It's chock full. Yeah. And my talking point is all caps, too much to list. Yep. So <laughs> this one might be a little bit more meandery than usual. But we're going to try. We're going to try. Yeah, we're going to try. So, I mean, what I'd really like to get started with on this one is, Allison, to speak to the point that you brought up, we don't even really care about the leaps anymore, do we? Not in this not one. Not in the context of the evil leap. Definitely episode, not in this right? one. Yeah, it's just a means to an end there. Like, the leap is just sort of what, what they're doing but a lot of it is uh centered on the the leaper stuff it's really a sam and alia story huh if if we were going to return to the evil leapers again and again and again and again like i think that they were intending on maybe doing one or two a season if they kept on going would we have to sort of shift the paradigm so that you maybe get rid of the baggage of whatever the leap goal is, whatever the mission is, so to speak, so that you can focus more coherently on the neato sci-fi stuff and sort of the expanding of the mythology and the lore. Um, adding the evil leapers creates a um a problem to overcome uh, involving a villain, like a literal villain, a mwahaha villain. Whereas <laughs> a lot of the leaps before, the, the issues that arise are things that happen in life, things that happen in history, the people around them. How do you fix this? How do you change people's lives? This is more about like someone's going, I'm going to go and, and ruin someone's life. And you have to like stop them and get a shotgun and blow them away kind of thing. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Yeah, this, this ain't normal quantum leap. No, and I, I think that had they gone on with this premise, I would hope that they would be able to strike more of a balance than they have in these first two episodes. I think that Return does it better than Revenge Yeah, with integrating the main mission of Sam's Leap into all of the hijinks that are ensuing because of the evil leapers being present. I think that this one, having to go back to the mission, really detracted 
from the flow of the episode because it was just an afterthought. We have to put this in because this is the way Quantum Leap works and Sam has to have a leap and we have to do the leap stuff too. Oh, let's cram it all in in the last minute and a half of Act 4. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I also found like um, there, there were some missed opportunities, I feel like, because there was just so much happening in this episode. You know, uh, I guess a lot of the focus of the, the first episode was on Aaliyah, getting Aaliyah out of there. And then when she gets into to this sleep, almost immediately she's written out of the story. Yeah. <laughs> oh, completely. So she's gone through most of this episode because of hypnotism? <laughs> this is the whole... Yeah, we'll come on to the hypnotism in a minute. But this is... um. Yeah, like you say missed opportunities. This is the biggest missed opportunity. This is Revenge of the Evil Leaper, and Aaliyah, as a character, is hardly in it. She's in it for less than a minute at the start, and even then she seems to be uh, already psycho-synergizing. That's the main reason why I prefer Return over Revenge, because it actually has all the characters in it that are relevant to the story. I think they just wrote her out because they were like, we just have too many elements and we need to pick and choose what we focus on. But like, why would you write Aaliyah out? Part of this yes. is, is getting her out. It's it's supposed to be her story. Exactly. Exactly. It's very strange. And they have some, some great characters in it, in Zoe and Thames, and also in the, the Leap characters. So you can see why, yeah, all of those characters are bustling for attention, but um, such a shame to remove Aaliyah. Sorry, we can talk about hypnosis if you want. I just had to get that out there. <laughs> what was that? What was the hypnotism scene? That was Aaliyah dressed as the Virgin Mary floating in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> You're standing on the top of a mountain, looking out. Can you see yourself there? Mm-hmm. All right. White clouds streak across the dark blue sky. What do you see there? Oh, clouds. White clouds. Yes. And then freaking like Zoe floating by like <laughs> And then like you throw in the the comedy elements with Al getting hypnotized. <laughs> Dark blue sky clouds. Clouds. Al, where are you? Vegas. I'm not sure it all came together with the hypnotism. No. It's just sort of like, what is happening? This is quantum leap, isn't it? <laughs> You know, it's funny because they really did try to give it a lot of grounding in invoking your favorite episode, Alice in Shock Theater, saying, you remember when, you know, we were losing contact with you, so we have precedent for this, so let's do the hypnotism, it'll change your brain waves, blah, 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 blah. Um, they really did try to give it some kind of nod, like, hey, this this is really something that we can do in this universe. And I don't really have a problem with that. It's just like, how easy is it to hypnotize someone? I'm going to go with not very. Uh, if you're Al, very easily. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very easy to hypnotize him. <laughs> Al's weak-minded. On TV, you're always able to do it in 30 seconds in a broom closet with someone that's completely stressed out, leap-frazzled, Swiss-cheesed, psychosynergizing, and otherwise complete mess. We're going to be able to center you to a point where you can be hypnotized. Just tell them to think about a happy place. <laughs> they could have just fudged it a little bit and said because she was psychosynergizing with the claustrophobia and stuff like that, it was like messing up the signal. They could have just said that, you know, like she was like on the cusp there or something. I don't know. I just feel like Aaliyah got the, the short end of the stick on this one. 
It's funny to me, Matt. I'm wondering if because you're saying that Return had all of the key players, Aaliyah included, if we're talking about Revenge of the Evil Leapers, you have to think that at the end of Return, Sam took Aaliyah away. Mm. So they're not talking about Aaliyah's revenge. They're talking about Lothos's revenge and enter Zoe as a leaper and Thames as a hologram. So that's, I always think of Zoe as the evil leaper in this one. Oh yeah. Because Aaliyah is sort of in the wind. No, the evil leaper is definitely Zoe in this one. But it's still, the, the trilogy is Aaliyah's story. It, it's, and yeah, it, you're, you're right. It feels like it's a, it's a story of redemption and blah, 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 blah. Um, and she gets most of the way through the second part. And uh, I mean, and when I say the second part of the, the three episodes she's in. And yeah, it seems she's redeemed for whatever reason, because Sam's cute or whatever. <laughs> and, um, and so suddenly she, she fancies Sam, so she's a good guy now. And uh, then, yeah, we don't need to worry about her anymore. It's now Zoe versus Sam. They kind of throw in some some stuff through Zoe about uh, Aaliyah's past that seems to hint that she's always been kind of on on the edge of like, does she want to do this anyway? And um, they throw in some lines that would have been great if Aaliyah was Aaliyah, but Aaliyah is Angel at that point. Like when she's uh, she's talking to uh, Vivian, was that the name of the the guard that was helping them? Yeah, mm-hmm. that was Vivian. Yeah, when she's talking to Vivian, she asks, "Why are you doing this?" Does it matter? Yes. I want to know why some people help other people. That would have been great if she was Aaliyah, but she's not Aaliyah at that point. It's the angel asking that. I feel like that was Aaliyah coming through somehow. I guess you can you can finesse it in any way you want. Is it Aaliyah? Is it Angel? I saw that more as Aaliyah trying to figure out. But at this point, why would she be asking that question if she's already on board with becoming a good guy and going with Sam and getting away from Lothos? So... I I just couldn't help but think of the brief conversation I had with Renee Coleman when she told me, I'd love to talk to you, but I really don't know what I'd talk about. And then I saw this episode and I said, oh, you're right. All you did was sort of cry and get pushed to the side of this episode. You really yeah. didn't have a lot to do, did you? <laughs> she, we could It could have been like, hey, what was it like shooting the hypnotism scene? What did you think of that? <laughs> I sat and I closed my eyes. <laughs> and Scott was, was so good. I actually got hypnotized. I don't remember the rest of the shoot because I thought I was this character. That's how easy it is to hypnotize someone on the spot. <laughs> I did have a question about near the end of the episode uh, when Aaliyah is brought out of the hypnotism. Rumpelstiltskin. She sees Tams. Holograms at your service, baby. Tams. But why? Is he synchronized to her brainwaves too? Like, why does she see him? Um, I guess because show. Well, we know Sam can see Al and then in Killing Time, they enable Sam to be able to see Gushy. But because Sam and Al are already connected, Al could hear Gushy later on. So is there something in that? But Al wasn't a leaper at that point. No, I know, but my, my point is it that was all based on the fact that the brainwaves were, were all close enough that he was able to do that. Right. I thought they were synchronizing him to to Al, and that's why it was kind of wonky because they weren't synchronized like Alice to Sam. Uh, I don't know, but that's my head canon though. That it's it, because Zoe and Aaliyah have been synchronized; they're kind of benefiting from that. I don't think it's consistent with what they say in this episode, though, either, because uh, Tam says to Zoe, "How could she vanish? She's connected to my neurons and my mesons." 
Well, we don't know. Lothos calculates that maybe once you quantum leap, somehow you affected the transmission. If that could mess up the signal, then why would Aaliyah sink into someone who wasn't even synchronized to her? Oh, who knows? And I can explain all this away because we're going with Project Quantum Leap rules. We don't know how the Evil Leaper Project works. They apparently have a better lead on how to leap, how to get somebody home. There's apparently a window in which they can retrieve you. Yeah, they said, like, they have 48 hours before, like, each consecutive leap uh, screws up the chances more. Something like that, yeah. And I just got the impression that they're better at leaping. And maybe it's because they are more directed. Sam is the result of doing it on the fly because he didn't want to lose his fundings. Therefore, he didn't have everything Mm. in place. He just took a leap of faith. Whereas this is a more directed, we're going to destroy people's lives throughout time. And we're going to recruit people to do so. For all you know, there is some kind of chip in everybody's head at the Evil Leaper Project that (laughs) Lothos can connect to. And... You know, that's how everybody can see everybody. I don't know. I'm just, you know, I'm retconning here. But yeah, I think that there was a way that they might have explained the fact that Thames can be seen by Aaliyah. I, I just, I, I don't know that we know enough about the Evil Leaper Project to where we can pass judgment on some inconsistencies because we just don't know enough about how it works. Yeah, I know there's some, like, confusion over, like, what some of the dialogue means. Like, when um, Tam says, like, when dealing with Quanta... Nothing's impossible. But it's like, what is he talking about? Is that the name of their project? Is that something else? Is he referring to just a time travel, a theory? Like, it's it's a little bit vague. I like to choose to consider it to be the name of the project because we don't have a name for the project. But you're right, in the script, it's not. And in, even in the way he says it and in the context, it could be either. Um, so I'm fully aware this is my own headcanon again, saying that yeah, Quanta is the name of the project. The, the script does provide a little bit more info about the, the Leapers than we get on screen because it says, like, about Tams that he's wearing, like, the finest 2020 fashion or something, wasn't it? Like, that's the date they're supposed to be from? Yeah, what Boss will evolve into by 2020. This was never, never clear in any of the episodes on screen that they were supposed to be from the future, like, the, Sam's future, <laughs> future... I mean, even that as a stage direction doesn't prove that they are from 2020. Again, for for the sake of headcanon, it's nice, and I like to believe that. But just because he dresses like he's from 2020, or, or just because he's wearing the fashions of what Boss will look like in 2020, does not mean that that's when everyone's from. They could be from further in the future than that. He could just be a very forward-thinking dresser from the late 90s. Um <laughs> It's really not made clear. If they're from the future, then it would make a little more sense why they're a little more advanced. Although, like, it it really feels like because of the similarities that they spun off from Project Quantum Leap at some point. So it only makes sense that they would improve on what Sam built. Yeah, for sure. And getting to the point of what quanta signifies, if you want to think that that's the name of their project, I have no problem with that. But I was thinking more along the lines of the method of time travel. Sure. This school of time travel that we are engaged in. And honestly, I think that's most likely. But I also don't like referring to it as the Evil Leaper Project. So uh, <laughs> I, I choose to call it Quanta because that works. Right. And another thing that I think points to, and this is a small thing and it's a subtle thing, but since we're getting into all the great geeky stuff right away, which <laughs> I'm so happy, yay. 
The fact that Thames comes in and says to Zoe, My, did we Swiss cheese a little on our first leap? Now, Swiss cheesing is not a common type of phrase that you would go to. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. So the fact that they just use it so cavalierly, maybe that does lend credence to the theory that Sam or, you know, somebody from Project Quantum Leap who's integral to it is somehow behind the Evil Leaper project. Yeah, maybe it's something that Lothos or whoever made Lothos knows about, but like Zoe doesn't. Because Zoe didn't know who Sam was the first time she showed up, or at least she acted like she didn't know who he was. Seemed to be thrown off by that. Um, They do indicate in this episode Lothos has like some sort of power over them because uh, Lothos wanted Zoe to, to enact his plans, whatever his <laughs> big, big picture plans were. Um, they throw in all sorts of stuff you can interpret in different ways, which I, I found that was the strongest parts of the episode. I, I really enjoyed the scenes with Zoe and Tams where she's like playing with the candle and they're just talking about things at the project that happened. Yeah. Yeah. That was when I was really digging it the most as well. And I think that Hinton Battle, who played Teams, oh my God. So good. <laughs> so good. Everything he did. I thought, I just, even when it was completely over the top. Yow, how? Yow, how? A hologram's life for me. Oh, it's bloody brilliant, this machine. Oh my, don't you think? I thought it was terrific. And, You know that I have a problem with sort of the whole mirroring of the personalities, how because their hologram is a hologram, they have to sort of mirror Alice's outrageous (laughs) fashion sense. They did the same thing with Zoe when she was a hologram. Thames is that times a million. And uh, I'm going to say Thames, Thames, Thames. Which one should I settle on, guys? I think that uh, Zoe called him Thames. Isn't it like the river Thames, right? Yeah. But Zoe said Thames. Stop. Playing with me, Thames. Now, Thames. I taught her Thames. I thought she said Thames. I'm sure both pronunciations are used in the episode. Okay. How do you pronounce the river? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's what the name comes from. The river is Thames, but who names their kid after the river Thames? It's stupid. It's a stupid name. Thames is a fun character, but it's a stupid name, especially because I feel like he was written to be British. He's named Thames. And then Zoe is British, and he also uses bloody as a descriptor, which is, like, a, a, a weird thing for an American to use. Yes. Um, but he, he isn't using a British accent, but I feel like originally how they scripted it, that's that's what they wanted. Does he not just say bloody because of that thing on American TV where you can get away with British swear words, but you can't get away with American swear words? Hence the classic line, The waiting room doesn't tell me chip. I mean, that's a that's a brilliant line. Doesn't tell me chip. That was so funny. Doesn't tell me chip. She's in prison for murder and she's like, that doesn't tell me chip. You're a muddy funster. (laughs) (laughs) So funny. I want to be nice. I won't talk about that actress or her performance. I still don't know where here is. And maybe, just maybe, being here is a hell of a lot better than being where I was. Especially when we've just come from being locked up in some black hole, and I don't remember why I was there. I liked her. I thought she did a great job. I I, I liked that they, I think out of all the people we've seen in the waiting room interacting with Al, uh, that was one of the more interesting ones. Yeah. I liked that. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well, you don't have to, but... (laughs) 
I also I liked the antagonism that it was done in a different way to the Lee Harvey Oswald sequences where he was just uh, a little bit creepy and off. This this was some yeah, I it was some good stuff. She had um, a more well-rounded backstory than some people in the episode as well. Like you got uh, why she would be at that point. Um, she she murdered her abusive husband and she was stuck in this prison. She didn't have a lot of trust. Obviously, there were the memory issues. Like I feel like in the time that they had with that character, they got a lot out of it. Yeah, and I'm not downing the writing of the character. I'm downing the specific. <laughs> performance i'm sorry i just didn't i just didn't like the performance i thought the writing was fine Uh, chip took me right out of it but then i thought okay 90s tv they're not gonna say shit who played her cynthia Steele? i thought cynthia Steele did a decent job i didn't have a problem with that so did i but to each their own exactly i'm the dick (laughs) you're allowed to have opinions if we all agreed on stuff (laughs) what would we talk about well we could go back to talking about blood moon but exactly beyond that it's never fun if we all agree. I did want to circle back to the Zoe, uh, Tam's Aaliyah stuff uh, real quick, because um, there's some stuff that, that Zoe throws out there that is very interesting. Like, she is hurt by Aaliyah personally leaving her. Like, she says, like, after all we've been through, after everything I did for her, I taught her everything, and she does this to me. She betrays me. And she's talking about how um, they say that, like, Lothos didn't want Aaliyah involved but Zoe insisted on it and all this stuff and like I feel like and I think this is backed up with something in the story that there was something romantic going on there do you because like she well because Zoe is ready to have sex with Liz (laughs) well now that she's a man she's like I'm gonna see how the other half lives I think she's in canon bisexual very clearly there seems to be something with her and Aaliyah like she's hurt like a spurned lover I, I, you know, I mean, that's that's as valid an interpretation as any. I just didn't get a relationship vibe from them in that way romantically. I saw her as maybe being more like of a comrade in arms. We've been through hell together. It's like almost like someone that you've been fighting next to in a war that has just been a harrowing part of your life. Someone that you've always been able to rely on Mm -hmm. and you've made it through the worst of it. And now all of a sudden, this person who you've been through thick and thin with, who you've literally, you know, clawed your way out of hell with, suddenly turns on you. That's the hurt that I see there. Nah, they had sex. (laughs) I mean, no no matter which way you interpret it, there definitely was, like, an affection there. There yes. was, like, a strong relationship rather than just, like, you know, she was evil and then told Aaliyah what to do and, like, I can't believe that. Like, clearly, like, she cared about Aaliyah. A lot of the ways in which she spoke about Aaliyah were similar to the ways that Sam has spoken about Al from time to time. But I've never sensed that sexual undertone with Sam and Al. So, yeah, I think that the fact that I came to that conclusion as well, I, it says something. So you you saw it too? Yeah, 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 for sure. All right. I'd be interested to know how the fan community feels about that in general. Do we have any slash fiction between Zoe and Aaliyah? Is that a rampant thing or a thing at all? I don't know. I mean, well, I mean, if there are like... <laughs> If there are like two characters of the same sex together, there's going to be slash fan fiction about <laughs> about them. Yes, <laughs> but it definitely felt like that, and I I don't know if that comes from the fact that like 
a lot of shows there is sort of the cliche of the like evil bisexual like they're allowed to be gay because they're evil kind of thing yeah i was just thinking that yeah yeah I saw that more in the scene that you were talking about when she was clearly, just so totally clearly into the gender swap. It's like feeling yourself up in the mirror. Hmm. Perhaps for the sake of science, I should see how the other half lives. Well, yeah, she, she's, she's calling Liz in to go have sex with her. Hmm. Which, I mean, that that calls into question, too. Like, how does that work if you're leaped into the opposite sex and then you have sex? Like, well, that's what she was trying to figure it out for science. <laughs> for, for science. Yes. That's what she said. She was, she was doing research, right? And this is something that I really loved about that aspect of her character, evil or not. They were able to give her more license to do what any one of us would do if we leaped into a member of the opposite sex, which is just explore. Oh, you try to have sex with someone else yeah. and anyone would do that? <laughs> no, but but just be, I think just be a lot more intrigued about the differences and exploring those differences, which Sam never, ever seems to cop to. But you'd know he's done it. Well, the first time he leaped into a woman, he like, he was checking his chest out a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> But I feel like, um, no, Sam wouldn't leap into a woman and be like, I'm going to explore this new body. I feel like that's just too, um, it would be, if Sam would feel like it's too violating for the person. I feel like he's just too nice. Right. And I didn't say that Sam would do that. I'd said that any one of us would do it. <laughs> and it's nice to have a character on TV that, that is like us. Oh, all right. Speak for yourself, man. Speak for yourself. <laughs> You're a liar. <laughs> <laughs> It doesn't have to be seedy. I mean, the, the way Zoe was doing it, yeah, there was definitely a seedy element. But I get what Chris is saying. And I, yeah, I agree with that, but not necessarily in a seedy way. I think there's there's a way you can be like, well, this is this is very different. I And I don't know. You'd, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not talking about the B-movie going under. That was the phrase they used, right? The going under coercion, like you have to go have sex with the warden. I wouldn't yeah. you know, take it that far. I was just talking about more of a self-exploration. Anyway, I've said too much. This is a family podcast, but uh, you all know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it was interesting. This is the only time we saw a woman leap into a man. And also, like, she she had, like, the full, like, big hairsprayed hair and makeup, and, like, the, the man did not have that, which seems a little inconsistent, because Sam always has makeup if the person has makeup or doesn't if they don't. Well, I feel like when Sam leaps in, he's just Sam, and then when he has to be that person, he does the hair and the makeup. I guess, yeah. Like, so it's like the first scene is usually more him, and then he gets made up as it goes along. Sometimes he is in makeup, though, isn't he? Like, depending on... Maybe I'm misremembering things. No, he's... It, it's it's inconsistent, I feel like, um, actually. Because uh, in M.I.A., when he leaps in and he thinks he's a woman, he's in full makeup and everything. Yeah, but that guy is in full makeup. That guy's in drag. So would a woman be? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, why would it matter if it was a guy or a oh, girl? Then yeah. he would be in makeup if the other person was in makeup. But I feel like that's inconsistent, so... But either way, whatever it's like when he leaps in, at some point during the episode, he's always a woman long enough that he's likely to put on makeup. And from that point on, at least, that solves that. Um, I guess the, the question for me would be if Zoe were in Warden Myers for long enough that her makeup would wear off if she was there for a couple of days. Yeah, she was sleeping. Her hair had the full on, like, like that was some good hairspray. Yeah, <laughs> kept its shape. But would would she need to would she need to reapply makeup, or would would we continue to see her made up after days or weeks? 
I like to imagine her at the evil project putting her makeup on and she might even had like false eyelashes. Like she's mm, yeah. I'm gonna make sure that I look nice and pretty for when I go and kill Aaliyah. <laughs> Is this same as any villainess from the nineties? She's like, I'm gonna look sexy as hell, and she'll know what she was missing out on. She's gonna be like, Oh man, how did I betray Zoe? Because she's looking fine as hell. That was the whole plan. Could have had some good sex, but instead I'm going to die. Yeah. <sighs> Bad choices that have led me here. The guy who plays the warden, uh, Sam Scarber, who plays the warden, he was in Gung Ho with Scott Bakula. He was one of the extras that uh, worked at the plant. Oh. Oh, uh, wow. I guess supporting character. He might have had some lines, but yeah. Oh, I'm going to have to watch that again. Do you? <laughs> yes. That, it didn't doesn't make much of an excuse. <laughs> you love gung-ho oh i do you know what i also noticed uh, uh connections outside of quantum leap uh, with this episode the jacket that owl's wearing the red jacket uh was used in lord of illusions with scott bacula yeah again with lord of illusions isn't that the second <laughs> time we've seen something from lord of illusions or vice versa Maybe this jacket was in another episode, and I also referenced it, but it definitely was. Like, when he goes to this, like, magic place or something, there's, like, some uh, magician that's wearing the outfit. So it's in a scene with Scott Bakula. Would you guys mind getting back to the evil project? Yeah. Yeah, I, I had some other stuff I wanted to talk about on that. Yeah, let's let's talk about that. So this is Thames's first time as a hologram, obviously, with the way he's mm. carrying on. And... Mm. I, I feel like there would be more Leapers back at the Leaper Project. So was Zoe and Leah, they were it? Kind of like Sam and Al were it? And I guess maybe because, again, in my head canon, they're a little bit more advanced, they're a little bit more organized. And the other thing that made me believe that Aaliyah might not be the only Leaper was the fact that they said something about the fact that there was no one in the holding chamber, which is their name for the waiting room. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, okay, well, then where's the warden? And then I thought, well, okay, so maybe there are different holding chambers for yeah. different leapers. So oh. maybe it's Aaliyah's holding chamber that's empty. Yes. But maybe the warden's and Zoe's holding chamber. Uh, again, this extrapolation and building this headcanon was <laughs> one of the reasons I had so much fun with this episode. I just wanted <laughs> to get your guys' take on that. Was uh, Tam supposed to be like their gushy? Because he, he says uh, during an input session... With yes. Lothos, he says something. Mm. So maybe that was why they're like, who's this other guy? Like, it's supposed to be kind of a small project, and they brought him in? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it would make sense if they had more people, but maybe also, like, if you're, like, an evil project, and you're like, I'm going to send people out to do my evil bidding, you got to send out people that you trust, right? You can't just pick off any, pick out any schmo from the street. Like, you got to, like put like train a certain few people and then send them out there because you're not going to get that many people who are like yeah i want to go through time doing evil things <laughs> i you know what's the recruitment process for that they got good dental like what's the yeah. <laughs> maybe that's why zoe's so upset because maybe she turned Aaliyah and Aaliyah was a really good operative because of everything zoe taught her and then her true nature came back to the fore yeah because like what's the incentive to work for this project you can't have like a whole army of people and who knows if they're not brainwashed to some degree because you brought up the, the term... They hypnotized them. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. The TV hypnotism <laughs> strikes again, but that deep input session. They didn't just call it an input session. I believe they called it a deep input session. You know, I once remember when we were in a deep input session. And he said he regretted ever sending her. For me, that involves something that's a little bit more invasive. Oh, you're saying the input was for, for him. Like, the input was in it was for Tams, not input into Lothos, the computer. No, I, I look at it this way. I think, like, everybody at that project is somehow connected mentally to Lothos. And when you go in for a deep input session, it's like this harrowing mental rape yes. that strips you of, of all of your information and all of your motivations. And It's a clockwork orange. Good theory. I like it. I never thought about it that way. So, I, I, again, I know I'm maybe building a little bit too much into it, but damn it, it's fun. No, it's yeah. uh, it, that's what's nice about the Evil Leapers. It, I mean, it, it sucks that we didn't really get a lot of information, but it's also nice uh, if you're into headcanoning stuff and trying to figure out how it might have worked. Because there's so much you could just add on to it like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. Or what if they did this? Ooh, that's interesting. And besides all of that great stuff, how fucking cool was Temps' handlink? That pyramidal handling. Yeah. I was just going to bring it up. Yeah, yeah the new handling. <laughs> the little yeah. triangle thing. It like completely useless in, in practicality, yeah. but um, <laughs> cool looking. It was a lot more interesting than the like the one that Zoe was using, which I think was just like the little thin piece of plastic. Yeah, it, it was very um, low key as opposed to what Thames had, which I thought was just terrific. That and the cane and just all the affects that they gave him worked like gangbusters. Yeah. Yeah, he had that great, like, holographic uh, bolo tie <laughs> with his outfit. Yeah he, yeah, he had a lot of cool stuff going on. And uh, I think, like, that hand link was more interesting, and it differentiated itself more from Project Quantum Leap, which is good, because the, there's similarities, but you don't want it to be, like, too close. It was the differences, the the subtle differences, particularly that I I love about the Evil Leaper episodes, and particularly this one where we start to get more of a, a handle on it. And I know we've we've spoken about things like you, you mentioned the holding chamber earlier on instead of mm. the uh, the mm-hmm. waiting room. Thames refers to a, an SNL search and lock, which sounds very militaristic. It kind of the whole thing really gave me shades of. Um, yesterday's enterprise the the next generation episode where time changes and there's just in the there's as well as the big stuff there's just all these little clues that there's something a little bit off and just the the, these tiny little bits of language that change to show you that this is an an evil project as if we didn't know already but i love picking up on those kind of things and that's that that for me is one of the, the most fun parts of this episode with the evil project it's not not the big stuff it's just these little little bits of language that they slip in here and there i think it's like just subtle enough of a difference too to not turn into like silliness yeah could it, it could quite c- quickly be like in the killing chamber <laughs> yes yeah <laughs> in the evil project and then the evil leaps with the evil <laughs> the dark project <laughs> and they instead of thames just bring out dean stockwell in a goatee Oh my god, right. it would be so funny though if it was. I'm Evil Al. Evil Al with a goatee. Yes. Okay, but wait a minute. Matt, you just blew my freaking mind because what if instead of like being from Sam's future, that the Evil Leaper Project is from a completely alternate timeline that is trying to establish, you know, dominance over our timeline? Wow. 
See, if it was, I don't know if that would like be consistent with the rest of Quantum Leap, though. If like every time there was a divergence, there's another timeline somewhere, then it gets extremely complicated. But it doesn't have to be every time. This could be like the uh, the the Star Trek mirror universe kind of thing, where there really is just a, a good timeline and a bad timeline, and that's all yeah. you need to worry about. <laughs> and the, the bad timeline is is making lots of jumps across, uh, a la Discovery, and um, trying to mess with ours. I mean, it could be like Voyager, where it's just like, here's a timeline where Harry's dead, and here's one where he isn't. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) You've just blown my mind, Chris. (laughs) This is our psychosynergy. It's coming to the format. Yeah. (laughs) It could have been, um, like, they're from the future, but things went bad in the future, and they're trying to ensure that it happens. And that's something that Sam could, like, has to fix, you know, like, so you could meet, like, future versions of Sam and Al or people that they know where things have gone wrong, but they can fix that. Yeah. Oh, man, we could speculate about this. This is like a whole podcast in itself. The the evil leapers could have changed the past in some way, and then they got to fix it so it changes things in Sam's present. Chris, I think you're going to be disappointed when we get to Mirror's Edge, because um, there's a lot of very nice, tidy explanations, and none of them are as uh, exciting as as what we're talking about here. I'll let you know what I think of that when we get to yeah. it. So, yeah. don't you worry, I got plenty to say. Good. Speaking of psychosynergy, is psychosynergy now just a part of the show? Yeah. It's mentioned yet again. They say that? They say residuals, too? Yeah, well, they said, I think Sam said that um, anybody that you leap into, whatever psychosis they might have, you're going to get it. Yeah. So I guess dreams kind of proved that. That was sort of what planted that seed. But I think that since Lee Harvey Oswald, the psychosynergy has been an element that they've been throwing in pretty heavily throughout the fifth season. And I think it's a pretty good thing. I think it's kind of neat. Um, they used it in this one for plot convenience mm-hmm. with the hypnotism. Um, so <laughs> how it was used in this one, eh, I don't know. What did you guys think of that? I think it was just a, a reason for Aaliyah to be gone, yeah. to be honest. it's <laughs> about it. <laughs> You're right. It's just, it's become a thing. It's it's like Swiss cheesing introduced in the first episode as, as a plot point that was accepted as part of the show. And now they've introduced a brand new, effectively a brand new plot point at the start of season five that is just accepted as if it's always been there. I have a question now because if Aaliyah is now completely psychosynergized, she's hypnotized to not be Aaliyah. She's psychosynergized now to be completely angel or as much angel as she can be. Yet she and Sam are continuously touching. Who does she see when she's looking at Sam? If she's psychosynergized to be nothing but angel... Is she seeing Sam as Sam? Or she is she seeing Sam as his leapy? And if she's seeing Sam as Sam, but she thinks it's the girl that she's known from prison this whole time, how, how does it work? I like to think that if she can be somehow, let's just assume, that, let's, let's get past this whole hypnotizing in 30 seconds in a broom cupboard. If the hypnosis is such that she changes her own internal view and she thinks she is someone else then damn right, it should also be influencing what she sees. And she is seeing what what Angel would see, which is uh, whatever the other character's name is that Sam's leaped into. So I I think that's all part of the hypnosis. She's just completely embedded in this, in the Angel character to the point where she's she's seeing the the aura. Hmm. Did you have a take on it, Alison? Yeah, basically that. I don't really 
have any thoughts on that. Uh, you got to do a lot of fudging in this episode about what how you think things work because there's a lot of kind of like, yeah, sure, why not? Yes. So I had some questions about like, uh, for instance, things that Ziggy knows in this episode. How does Ziggy know what Zoe looks like? Ziggy says it's this lady named Zoe, and that's the hologram. It's like, okay, so maybe Ziggy from the last leave. They knew that that Aaliyah's hologram was named Zoe, but how does Ziggy know that's her? Yeah, they did make some some leaps there. No pun intended. You got us. <laughs> um, also, Ziggy uh, at the end. <laughs> they're like... <laughs> uh, we don't know where she is, but wherever she is, she's free. Yes, that I don't know. It's it's like Ziggy's like trying to like protect Sam. Like, oh, just tell him that. I don't know, man. (laughs) (laughs) Just, just tell him that she's free because I don't. I'm lost. (laughs) It's so poetically written, and it's so it's such a lovely delivery by Dean. Um, I've seen this episode so many times. I'd never really question that because I'm just caught up in the moment. She's free. It's okay. I don't care. Even as an audience member. Uh, I don't. I don't care. It's fine. It doesn't feel poetic. It feels like they're like, oh, whatever. It's fine. <laughs> Where's your soul, Allison? Where's your soul? It just feels like they're like, I don't know. We need. A, we need. A, we need a good wrap up. <laughs> Say that she's free. <laughs> I mean, I mean, uh, you're bringing up some of the more problematic elements that I have with this episode are towards the end, and um, Allison, that's that's one of them. She's just somehow suddenly free when she leaped. Obviously, she leapt. How is she? Her she was blue when she, she leaped. Was blue when so she we leaped, know that so... it wasn't evil. It wasn't an evil leap because evil leaps are red. <laughs> so. yeah. Right. So, but then did did she leap back to the waiting room, or did she just disappear? Just like in Mirror Image, when Sam disappears from the waiting room. Spoilers. If she was in the waiting room, then they would have said so. But they said they don't know where she is. It's just that she's free. So, but is she leaping as herself? So, like, how does that work? She <laughs> she was shot and she died, and then it all fits in with the finale, right? I, I guess. <laughs> I mean, depending on your interpretation of the finale, but uh... she then she went to a coal town. And she was struck by the whole time. <laughs> she died in thirty three. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, what the implication seems to be that she was shot yeah. when she left. Yeah. Because when she leaps out, Angel is fine. Her clothes have the bullet holes in it for, from the pellets in the gun. But she doesn't have any wounds. Yeah, but she's not injured. So, like, Aaliyah was hurt. So, I guess she lived. I don't know. I feel like the bullets are somewhere in, like, a nether region. Like they're Yeah, in, exactly. Yeah. They're in limbo. Yeah, either the bullets are in limbo or there, there is a, a fraction of a second where there is just, during a leap, there is no one physically there. Just long enough for a bullet to pass through. So you'd have to look behind where Angel was standing to see if that bullet had passed straight through her. And if she had, there we go. That's it. Wherever Aaliyah leaped, right, she leaps into a 60s girl group and then like all of a sudden her just the massive gut wound is just... Eh! <laughs> Right in the middle of the song, and then she's like, "Oh, oh boy!" <laughs> it was a strange comedy episode. Is that before or after she hit her head on the chandelier? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she leapt into a hospital and they patched her up, good and proper, 
and set her free. She was giving birth at the time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, she she goes into a hospital. They save her life. And then she makes a friend there and then saves like elderly people from abuse or something. <laughs> and it's heartwarming. It's, it's great. We've headcanned it. That's what happened. Oh, wow. What a, what a great genouement for Aaliyah. But I have just one <laughs> question before all that awesome stuff happened. Why did Aaliyah leap in the first place? It's like she just woke up. Because she saved the day. How, how did and she, she save the she day? she could leap herself. She didn't save anything. She she pushed Sam out of the way. She saved Sam and she redeemed herself. She she fully redeemed herself. She's a good person now and now she's going to put things right in time. I felt like she just sort of leaped. I wish there was a little bit more from Aaliyah. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> she leaped because. Who knows? God, time, fate or whatever. However you interpret it. Got her out of there. Ziggy had spent the entire episode trying to figure out how to get her to leap, and she finally succeeded, and she managed to leap her out, and she accidentally leaped her to, like, the bottom of the ocean or something, and that's why she was all like, oh, shit, yeah, just tell Sam everything's fine, because Ziggy <laughs> screwed up. Oh, Ziggy's doing the leaping in your interpretation. Yeah. Ah. Ziggy leaped her out. Ziggy leaped her out, but screwed up and killed her. Oh, Ziggy, you bungled it. <laughs> it looks like the, the chip hit the fan. <laughs> chips ahoy for her. <laughs> they get a little confused with, with Ziggy in this episode, too. I just want to say that there's in the, the scene where Sam's talking to Al in the cell. Al's like, there's another leaper in there. And he's like, oh, you're just talking about uh, Aaliyah. It's like, no, she didn't like... Um, Sam says she, she is talking about Aaliyah, and then Al says, no, he already accounted for that. Ziggy says there's another leaper. Well, she's just picking up Aaliyah. No, he already counted her. We're switching the pronouns around. Maybe that's the evil leaper timeline, the incursion into our timeline. Maybe things are very fluid back at the project. Yes. Maybe Ziggy's just like fluid, you know, like goes by either or, I guess. Ziggy don't care. Yeah, Ziggy's a computer. What do they care? <laughs> there. I solved the problem. One of the things that um, really disappointed me about this episode, and I think it's because I liked the character of Vivian so much. Yeah, she was great. She was played by uh, Barbara Ma Montgomery. Yeah, and her pivotal scene hinges on Sam doing the... This isn't going to make any sense. And I don't expect you to believe me, but I don't have a choice now. I got to tell you the truth. The truth is I'm going to take you back. No, wait, Vivian, please. Just, just wait, a minute. Hey! wait a second. All right, just wait a second. I'm not Liz. And this is not Angel. We're time travelers from the future, and so is Myers. We've seen Sam do this before in Killing Time, and it was perfectly valid. It was a great way for them to sort of uh, have him do something a little different when he told the woman who he was holding hostage that he wasn't Leon Styles, And there was time enough for that woman to buy it and believe it and observe things that Sam knew that Leon could never know. But they used it in this episode as as big a crutch as the freaking hypnotism. Why would this prison guard, <laughs> after three seconds of Sam saying, no, you have to believe me, I'm a time traveler from the future, <laughs> just suddenly throw her career away and say, yeah, okay, I'll let you out. I, uh. Well, she says, and I think this is a great line, she's like, because all my life, I never did anything really special. And one-tenth of what you said is true. And this is special. For once, I want to be 
the good guy. I think she's been on the fence for a while about what she's doing, and she's gotten to know the women in the prison and thinking of them as as people. And Liz is completely out of character for Liz to be doing that. So I don't know if she necessarily believes that there's time travelers, but she knows that something is wrong and she wants to help. Just for the record, I liked that line. I love the way she delivered it. I just don't buy it. <laughs> I mean, it definitely is a little bit like the ending of Shock Theater, where it's like, I don't know, just have her do that, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Ruin her life, it'll help Sam out. <laughs> well, the woman in Killing Time happened to be a character that needed a lot of convincing. This could have been a character who was, as well as being a prison guard, just in herself a bit of a dreamer and someone open to those kind of things. There's people out there like that. So you're saying that she found her rainbow connection. The lovers, the dreamers, and her. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I did think it was weird when Sam gave her the little bit at the end, like where she's just, he's like, yeah, you got to be the good guy this time. And that like, that officer is just standing there forever, just (laughs) holding Sam outside of the police car while he talks to his hologram friend. Then Liz. Oh my god, you bring up the other most awkward part of the episode, which is all of the cross-talking. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. Where they're having like the three to four-way conversations with all the characters just standing around uncomfortably paused. Yeah. Is it my cue now? That bit where <laughs> Thames reacts to um, Sam talking about Zoe, uh, saying she's going to be your worst nightmare, but he, he has to wait for so long for Al to say his line. <laughs> <laughs> he's just stood there like going, what am I going to say? What am I going to say? Is, she's going to be your worst. Oh, I don't. What's the word I'm looking for here? <laughs> <laughs> who had to? Who directed this episode? Debbie Allen did this episode. Yeah, Debbie Ooh, Allen. I forgot it was yes. Debbie Allen. Amazing. Um, she had a lot of work to do trying to make these crosscuts work, and and the editor as well. It's tough. It is really tough when it's written like that as well. I mean, it's the, you, there's not much you can do with the script when it, it works like that, unless you literally have the actors talking over each other. And the only way you can do that is if there's lines that aren't meant to be heard that much and you can dip down a little bit in the audio. But all of this was stuff that had to be heard. So she had a tough job. That's so interesting. They brought Debbie Allen back. Yeah. For this It's an odd one for Debbie to come back and do. Yeah. I do know that um, Scott Bakula made a request in season five to please bring back directors they knew because he was tired of them having to explain (laughs) the premise over and over again. He's like, please bring back people that we know. Um, Make things easier on me, please. Um, So maybe that was part of it. They just had a good working relationship with Debbie Allen. So they brought back familiar directors so they could chuck them in the middle of celebrity leaps (laughs) And evil leaps and not have to explain and, and vampire leaps and just go, yeah, yeah, we've done this before. You, you, you remember that last time we did a vampire leap? Yeah, but at least it's easier to explain when you know the premise already and you're like, this time we're doing this other than like you're jumping in completely blind. Yeah, true. Matt, I wanted to ask you because I know you're dying to talk about it. Please talk about the differences in the cuts, the the, the different versions of this episode. Yeah, I was so excited to talk about this before I rewatched it, and then I realised there's not that much to talk about. But I'll, I'll I mean, I'll, I'll give some background. Um, so this is similar background that I gave in return. That this was shown as a single. 90-minute episode plus ad break, so two hours. But unlike Return, there was some genuine extra footage in. 
Weirdly, during the, the establishing shots of the prison, the word revenge appears, not revenge of the evil leaper, just revenge uh, in the episode title font, followed by the date. So it is like it's a second episode, but they don't have any of the guest cast or director or writer listed because they listed all them at the top of uh, Return. But unlike Return, uh, Revenge does have some extra bits and pieces. Most of it, though, in fact, all of it, is really just little extensions to scenes, um, extra bits of conversation. Uh, There's a few extra bits and pieces in that conversation uh, between Thames and uh, Zoe, surrounded by candles. Um, Yeah, there's lots of bits. There was nothing in there that... um, And, Alison, I know you've seen it as well, so correct me if you you think I've missed something but there was nothing in it that jumped out as being wow okay this this changes everything for me it was the kind of stuff that just seemed like all right when they were putting it into syndication and they realized they needed to chop a couple of minutes out they just they chopped a few odd bits of scenes for pacing and just to to move things along a little bit faster it's cool to see but nothing really that changes the view of the episodes or the characters the only really cool bit is the trailer at the end but we can come back to that yeah, the trailer was kind of cool. So this is nothing like a trilogy level reveal. No. In the sense of how different that was between the, the 90 minute version to the two part version. No, but again, Alison, you've seen it as well. Am I forgetting something? Am I missing something? I have a terrible memory. So I was hoping if there was anything, <laughs> you would remind me. But no, I do remember being a little disappointed because there was less in this than there was in trilogy part three. But I think that's good because Trilogy, I think, cut out some things that really changed uh, the story. And here they just cut things for time, which is what you should be doing if you're going to be cutting an episode down. Yeah, there's maybe about two minutes of cuts throughout, but it is just yeah, odd, odd lines and reaction shots. One thing that that I'd like to know, you said that they cut some of the dialogue between Zoe and Thames in that scene with the candles, but that's where we got most of the great stuff that led to me, you know, with this explosion of head cannon. Were there any other like intriguing tidbits that they cut out that we might use to sort of broaden our picture of what the Evil Leaper project might be? No, literally that bit. There's um, there's a couple of slight, like literally just beats of uh, close-ups held for a little bit longer, and the only two actual extra lines are Tem saying Lothos giveth and Lothos, Lothos taketh away, and Zoe saying not if I get my hands on her, and that's that's it. That's the only real extra uh, material. So I don't feel bad that I didn't watch your mashed up version. I'm glad I watched the syndication edits of this. Ah, yeah, but then you, you missed the trailer. Yeah, the trailer was pretty fun. That's when they were talking about what's coming up for the back half of season five, right? Yes, yeah. Have you seen what's coming up on Quantum Leap? Hey, Bob. Uh, oh, you mean the one where you leap into the young Elvis and yeah. dance and sing? Yeah, and stuff? that one. Yeah, and what about the one where I'm driving the car? From Marilyn Monroe. Yeah, you lucky yeah, puppy. Yeah. <laughs> or well, how about this one? The Civil War show. Huh? Yeah, but wait a minute. Wait a minute, why, why are we telling them? You think we should give them a sneak preview? Yeah, yeah, check yeah. it out. Hey, audience, you want to see all the gimmicks coming up this season? <laughs> please, please. <laughs> you know, okay, the, going back to the Debbie Allen thing, I think part of it was because uh, the episode she did was, what, their highest rated at the time or second highest rated? Yeah. So I think that was another trying to get more people to watch. 
They're like, we got the evil leaper, we got Debbie Allen, and then we're going to throw in at the end of this special two-part, two-hour extravaganza. We're going to be like, look, we're going to get all these celebrity leaps, we're going to go into the Confederate uniform, we're going to have all this stuff going on, and the exciting new episodes of Quantum Leap. Yeah, they were really making a push. I think that they knew that they were on the bubble. So they were trying to gather a whole new audience with this stuff. Did the vampire thing do anything for you? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to throw everything at the wall. We're going to see what sticks, but maybe you'll stick around too. (laughs) As far as like gimmicks though, I feel like the evil leaper thing worked the best because I don't like celebrity leaps very much depending on how they're handled because it just feels like, you know, like, oh, okay. Yeah. All right. We got this celebrity here. We're like leaping into them, whatever. It's all about them. This adds on to the quantum leap lore. This changes things. This evolves things. It, it makes the show grow into something else. And it needed to do that because it, it just can't do the same thing for five years straight. That sounds like final thoughts to me, Matt. What about you? What are your final thoughts on Revenge of the Evil Leaper? Yeah, the same. I, I love all flavors of Quantum Leap, but after four years of the same kind of plots, I love the gimmicks in season five. I think it's great that they're trying new things. And for me, this is by far the most successful. This half of this uh, two-hour special has has some problems in it that aren't present in the first half, but it's still it's a great episode. It's so entertaining. It's, it's exciting. It's action-packed. And yeah, Hinton Battle, what an absolute star. Fabulous. So good. Hinton Battle's great. And if you guys uh, watch Buffy, yes. uh, and the, the people listening, uh, he was the uh, the singing demon in season six. So good. You can tell he's got that theater background and he's just, he's so talented. He's terribly over the top in that as well and gets away with it. Ooh, smooth. He's a smooth guy. And he threw in some of his singing in this episode too. So Yeah, yeah he did. He did. And I'm going to mirror what you guys say. Um, I think you're both absolutely right in all of your final observations. And I find myself coming away from Revenge of the Evil Leaper thinking, sadly, what might have been. I wish that we could have explored this premise more. And it was a premise that I was wholly not on board with. With Deliverance from Evil and Return, I found kind of iffy. But damn, if they did not turn me around in this episode. And... It's just too bad that uh, I think this is all we're going to get, but it's fun to speculate. And um, I had a lot of fun talking about it, too. So um, I'm really glad that we're here with all this wacky stuff in season five. And um, we're going to put an end to this chat on the evil leaper, but that's not the end of the show. Uh, We're going to go to a break. But when we come back, we have some Patreon news and we have some more viewer feedback. So everybody hang in there and we'll see you on the flip side. On the latest episode of Leaps Elsewhere. Oh, we gonna have some fun on this podcast, guys. Today we'll be talking about the NCIS New Orleans season one episode, Chasing Ghosts, that features both Scott Bakula and Dean Stockwell. We're all gonna talk about the accent, let's face it. The accent. (laughs) (laughs) Dean Stockwell is T-Bone. Dean was really solid. I believe that this was his very last TV appearance. It feels like he spent a day on a boat and got to hang out with his old friend Scott Bakula again. (laughs) This is the complete wrong role 
for Scott Bakula. He did a lot of squinty acting in this, did Scott. <laughs> How many, like, Navy crimes can you come up with? Apparently, if you're Donald Belisario, 10 million. <laughs> yeah. I was glad that Scott took a moment to explain to us that discrimination hasn't ended. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the most dynamic episode of television that Scott Bakula stars in that revolves around an anti-Semitic lynching. <laughs> a ringing endorsement. I think we're all in agreement, everyone. Tune in to NCIS yeah. Knowledge. To find out how to hear this and other Patreon-exclusive shows, go to patreon.com slash Podcast. That's patreon.com slash Podcast. It's the way they roll in New Orleans. <laughs> but is it? <laughs> Maybe. So what's Captain Game Show? Well, the short answer is it's a podcast. The long answer is it's a light-hearted trivia wordplay Thunderdome. I call this game Dark and Gritty Kids. Natural stuff. Born Sequel. What's my motivation? Epic Bird Play. Advertising 10101. Rhyme cast. Mr. Dalek. Life coach. I'll come up with games, and my guests come up with answers. He's got to put down the ducky if he wants to play the saxophone. The born monogamy. Wolfgang Puck is Darkwing Duck. Big Rimlock is Tupac. My little pony friendship is Magic Mike. <laughs> There's also improv, music, and an inordinate amount of rhyming. Good night, John Travolta, with Klingon like hair. Good night, 3% rating. <laughs> you're tough, but you're fair. You can find Captain Game Show on CosmicPotato.com. We're also on iTunes, Stitcher, and wherever else you normally get your podcast. Round one, round two, final round. Fight! This is Michelle Joyner, and you're listening to the Quantum Leap Podcast. Okay, everyone, we're back, and as promised, I have news regarding Patreon. Guys, we have a new Patreon supporter. Everybody give it up for Mr. John Irons. John, thank you, John. John has joined us at the $2 Observer level. That means, John, you get a shout-out on the show. Consider this your Patreon shout-out, but as everybody who's ever listened to the show knows, I shout-out John quite frequently. Uh, we're friends. I appear on his show, Captain Game Show, for which you heard an ad on the break that just passed. Uh, John is a great podcaster. He's a good friend. And I don't know what made him take the leap and support us for $2 a month, but I'm glad you did, buddy. Thank you so much. And uh, hopefully uh, we can keep entertaining you to that $2 level, I hope. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, this isn't worth two bucks. <laughs> Is this worth at least two dollars? I don't know. I hope, I hope that he was a fan of Star Wars theory and then he was just sold on, on this concept. <laughs> Could be, could be. And uh, this is where I was going to put in the shout out to the potential new Star Wars fans. But uh, hey, if you are listening because you thought that this was a Star Wars podcast and it turned out to be a Quantum Leap <laughs> podcast that you kind of dig, you can kind of dig us on Patreon too. There's so much extra bonus content over there. Uh, you can join for just $5 a month, be on the Leaper level and hear all of the great extra content that we have. We have Leaps Elsewhere and we have Fangent and we have other specials that are um, in the works. So please uh, consider supporting us like John Irons did at any level that you're comfortable with at patreon.com slash quantum leap podcast. And that is not the only way you can support the show. You can always tell friends about it, uh, spread the word on social media, and you can always reach out to us much like these listeners did here. We have a return from a listener who we featured on. 
I guess that's that's apropos. Maybe we should have done this during Return of the Evil Leaper, not Revenge. But um, <laughs> listener Nikki Soydan, who we featured on our feedback special that ran back, I think, last summer. The reason I wanted to read this is because um, Nikki is the one that posited that Sam's body slash mind status is fluid depending on the leap. And that is now my new favorite theory when it comes to body mind leaping. So I want to revisit what they had to say. So um, if you guys don't mind, I'll start this one. Nikki writes, Dear Allison, Matt, and Chris, I cannot tell you how much it filled my geeky little heart with joy to hear you read my first email during the listener feedback special, much less when you wondered what my stance might be on the mind-body leap debate. I'm a little ashamed to admit that I never wrote in a second time because I have what might be the worst possible stance. I land in whichever camp is more convenient for the plot of any given episode. It might be noncommittal and wishy-washy, but I place great faith in those two little words that see us through because show. (laughs) <laughs> and I invented that term during the um, eleven twenty two sixty three podcast. Okay, uh, why don't you take it up, Matt? I listened to the Doctor Ruth episode and felt like I just had to write again. After Chris mentioned enjoying references to Long Island, I wanted to share that I'm from Buffalo, and despite having moved away, I love the mentions in both the original episode and on the podcast. Even if it wasn't the most complimentary to my hometown, I admit it. No journalist would leave a career in New York to relocate to the All-America City, as it says on the sign. Once again, thank you for continuing to make such a wonderful podcast and for engaging other fans the way that you do. I'm very sorry if my first paragraph has opened up a can of worms that we all thought was sealed. Yours in leapiness, Nikki Sudan. Yours in leapiness. That, that might be my favorite sign-off ever. Yours in leapiness. Well, um, I wasn't really dissing on Buffalo. I just said everybody realizes that you would never leave a career in New York City to relocate to Buffalo. I have nothing against Buffalo per se. I've been to Buffalo and um, I'm sure many good people live in Buffalo. So (laughs) I didn't want to be a douche about Buffalo. We're all New Yorkers, right? Anyway, um, yeah, Nikki, I thank you so much for writing back. I'm glad that you uh, listened to the feedback show. I'm glad that we're able to um, feature your your theory because it's one that I have uh, held close to my heart ever since. So thank you for giving me a new way to watch Quantum Leap and to think about it and um, for reaching out again. Yeah, thanks, Nikki. Thank you. All right. All right. So, I mean, that was a little bit of an ego boost for me. Thank you, Nikki. We're talking about Long Island. We're talking about New York. But we did hear some feedback on our Blood Moon episode, which I absolutely love doing the Blood Moon episode. And you guys remember, Allison specifically, when I wrote, does Blood Moon get a bad rap? Well, (laughs) I think there are some (laughs) listeners out there that might agree with my take on Blood Moon. Uh, Namely, we got this response on Facebook from Raymond L. White. Raymond writes, I love this episode. It's easy to love. You can't come at it like it's a serious one. You have to see it for what it is. Campy, hammy, B-rated fun. They called it campy, hammy, B-rated fun. Is that um, not the bad rep you think that it has? (laughs) That's exactly the problem with it. I don't know. Everybody talks about Blood Moon like it's the worst episode ever made. And Dr. Ruth is far worse, in my opinion. Yeah, Dr. Ruth is worse uh, to me, yeah. but like, I don't think like it gets a bad rep. I think this is exactly the rep it has as campy. Yes. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think Matt felt a little bit more like it was just bad. Yes, 
I did, but I think the 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 next piece of Twitter feedback that we got is probably more along the lines of what I was thinking and sums up sums up my feelings a little bit more closely. All right, then why don't you take it? Yeah, so we also got feedback from uh, Brad VCR Watkins, who said, and I, I, I sense this was almost correcting my my view of it or, or up against my view of it. He says, I'd call it one of the dumbest episodes, but it's entertaining, which matters most when the writing's not up to standards. <laughs> I love standards and quotes. Standards. <laughs> and I, th- I think that's right. I mean, at the end of the day, I, I don't hate Blood Moon. I don't hate any episode of Quantum Leap. I just think Blood Moon is one of the dumbest and that's why i have to rank it so low but it's still fun i think that's the best way to look at it though to be like this is dumb but i was entertained that's the best you can do especially when it's a show you love and it's not a particularly good episode if you can enjoy it on that level yeah it helps chris you you left out the the other really good bit of feedback we got about blood moon i don't i can't believe you missed that from who the Apple review that we got uh, saying, did it change to Quantum Leap now? Shite! <laughs> this was a go-to for Star Wars. I'm not really interested in Quantum Leap. I barely got through an episode of the show and I know I won't be able to get through an episode of this. You've lost me. So said Cuba, <laughs> Cubo and Na- Natru Trainer Lannister fan. Oh my god, yeah, that was, that was... Some people were not happy that their Star Wars no. disappeared. them over. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, Cubone. It's so funny. He ain't listening. <laughs> I love bad reviews for reasons like that because you can't be too mad about it. <laughs> it's absolutely fair. One one star review. I get it. It's fine. I, one I, star. <laughs> Hate Quantum Leap. Hate. <laughs> Shite. I love that they thought that this this okay the star wars theory on youtube they have a youtube channel has three million subscribers <laughs> i love that they thought this three million subscribers star wars content top 200 podcast on itunes was like you know what we're quantum leap now no <laughs> announcement no nothing we have new hosts it has nothing to do with anything that was going on before. I think this is going to be really lucrative for yeah. us. <laughs> I, I hope Keybone did go back and, and is now enjoying the Star Wars stuff. I do feel bad that they might have lost a subscriber because of this. Yeah, they, they might have lost one or two, but I don't think our Quantum Leap podcast really hurt their three million subscribers. Probably not. <laughs> I think they're doing just fine. Yeah, I don't think they, they went away in droves or anything. <laughs> and I again, I got to tell you, you know what? Screw you, Qbert. If you don't like our episode about Blood Moon, that's on you. That was a great freaking episode. So I think that was one of our best. If it's going to be one that mistakenly a bunch of Star Wars fans listens to, I'm glad it was that one. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it could have been stand up. So <laughs> if you're out there listening because of the Star Wars snafu and you would like to chime in, as I promised at the top of the episode, there are many ways that you can reach us here at the Quantum Leap Podcast. You can get us by phone at 707-847-6682. You can email us at quantumleappodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash quantumleappodcast. You can uh, hit us up on Twitter and Instagram 
at Quantum Leap Pod. And you can always go that extra mile and support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash Quantum Leap Podcast. Just remember that we may use your response on an upcoming episode of the Quantum Leap Podcast, not the Star Wars 66 or whatever it is <laughs> that you thought this was. And speaking of upcoming episodes, Matt, tell us what's next. Well, there is clearly a Venn diagram of Quantum Leap fans and fans of the life and works of Marilyn Monroe. And if you exist on that huge intersection in the middle, boy, do we have a treat for you. If not, uh, come back the week after. (laughs) I don't know. It's goodbye, Norma Jean. Lucky. I would just kill for your job. You would? What's she like? I mean, really like, in private. Um, well, she's, uh, she's a little hard to describe. Spending every day with her, getting to know the real person. Here she comes! Marilyn! Miss Monroe! Miss Monroe, this way! There you go, thanks for that one more! Back it up, please. 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 Come on, Dennis. Take me away from all this. Oh, boy. That's where uh, Marilyn Monroe uh, becomes a Jedi. Yes. (laughs) And she learns that only leapers deal in absolutes. The Force is strong with her. That's for them Star Wars fans. <laughs> I think you meant to say, only leapers deal in absolute tennis. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was scarily good, Chris. Goodbye, Norma Jean. <laughs> Happy birthday, Mr. Palpatine. Happy birthday. <laughs> We're all dying inside, Mr. Vader. All of us. <laughs> Damn it, I can't believe we got through this entire recording and I didn't take the opportunity of potentially speaking to three million Star Wars fans to ask. I read a rumour a while back that uh, Thames' appearing and disappearing noise was lifted from the laser blast that Ben Burke created for the, the Star Wars trilogy. And it does sound like it, but I'd love to have three million Star Wars fans checking that out and, and feeding back to us. So... <laughs> yeah. If, if we're still playing out to the Star Wars uh, subscribers, please do check out Revenge of the Evil Leaper and see if that noise is Han's laser blast. Gotcha! Could be. This is amazing. Kind of got us off of Norma Jean, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I know. I just... You know, lift, lift that and put it earlier in the episode, Chris. I don't know. <laughs> no, because if they're listening to the end, you know that they're fans now. So we yes. want to make sure that they get a reward for listening to the end. We're talking to you specifically. Because we value you. I don't want to spoil the ending of Goodbye Norma Jean, but she fights Vader, and then when he hits her with the lightsaber, her robes fall to the ground, and Sam is really sad about it. And Al is very disappointed because the robes are empty, and he was hoping to see her naked. (laughs) And then he goes like, ah, but what a Star Wars. (laughs) 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 I can't wait to rewatch that. And it's going to be a lot of fun to talk about. Season five gimmicks strike again. Yeah. Weird, weird way to do a guest star, but we'll talk about all of that on the next episode. Until then, I've been Christopher DeFilippis. I've been Allison Pregler. 
And I've been Matt Dale. And may the force be with you all. And also with you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Quantum Leap podcast, hosted by Allison, Matt, and Chris, with voice talent and contributions from Hayden McQueenie and Zoe Dean. Visit us at quantumleappodcast.com. To support the show, please go to patreon.com slash quantumleappodcast. The executive producer of the Quantum Leap podcast is Albert Burge. Christopher DeFilippis and Hayden McQueenie are the co-executive producers. Morgan Felden and Charles Allen Gossard are the producers. The thoughts expressed on this podcast are those of the individual and do not necessarily represent those of the Quantum Leap podcast, its partners or affiliates. The Quantum Leap universe and all it contains is the property of Belisarius Productions and Universal Television. The Quantum Leap podcast is not affiliated with Belisarius Productions or Universal Television, and no copyright infringement is intended. Please visit barrenspace.com for this and other amazing content. The Quantum Leap podcast is a Baron Space production. Are we going to start recording? Are we still talking? I don't mean to rush things, but also if we're going to talk a while, I don't want to keep Matt up. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Oh, bless you. All right. So this is for all my peeps in Hayward's Heath. Uh, Let's get a clap in three, two, one. Yay, HH. Yay. (laughs) I hope our clapping didn't scare the mice out of the trees. (laughs) (laughs) One of these days, you guys have both got to come to Hayward's Heath. Yeah, we'll I see it. <laughs> they ran so fast their little bonnets flew off. <laughs> <laughs> it's nothing like that. <laughs> oh. I don't think anywhere is anything like that, but definitely not Haywood's Heath. <laughs> it's a just a boring little town. It's a nice enough town, but it's definitely not quaint or sweet. Uh, Zach knows about the little mice in the trees. Only um children and the innocent can see them. Yeah. <laughs> Does he think there might be Abraham Lincoln? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When you're editing this, you're just going to be hearing a lot of, like, stomping, baby noises, uh, my stomach growling, me burping, uh, (laughs) chair squeaking. It's just a cavalcade (laughs) of of things. (laughs) Yeah. I can't wait to isolate all of it and just put out, like, a whole extended cut of all of your audio like just now my stomach growled super loud and i could see it on the audio like picking up i'm like what in the (laughs) world (laughs) beautiful happy birthday mr palpatine